Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. What up, good Raider? What's up? What up, good? What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio. 9.20 a.m. on a hot and sticky Monday, man, in Las Vegas. Uh, but it's all good. Um, we're, we're, we're dealing with it. Can't wait to find out who wins the national championship tonight, uh, Gonzaga or um, Baylor. And uh, can look at it a couple different ways. And I'm going to actually talk about that uh, with our next guest. We're going to go back out to the Raider uh, Nation guest line and welcome in our good friend Sam Gordon, my teammate from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Um, you can uh, catch him at uh, Vegas Nation um, on the app or go to VegasNation.com. Uh, just go to LasVegasReviewJournal.com and uh, you'll be able to, uh, to catch all of Sam's stories and videos. Doing a great job um, covering UNLV and, and the Raiders uh, and working out um, with our guy Jonathan Abram, uh, we all saw that. Uh, Sam, first of all, uh, thanks for joining us. How are you doing, my man? Man, doing good, Vinny. Anytime, anytime. I'm, I'm, I am. I must confess, I am a little sore from that workout. Still a few uh, from from a couple weeks back, but we'll persevere. We'll get through it. We'll move on. Of course, of course. And huh. you more than held your own. Um, you really, uh, in terms of the workout. You know, uh, you held uh, you held it uh, up for uh, us journalists uh, out here, uh, and I want to thank you for that. Got to dock you some points for the jeans, but I know. Uh, and and Sam, I'm going to give you the opportunity here because now I know the backstory. I'm going to let yeah. you tell it, but you were in kind of a compromising position. But you know what? This is what I respect about our boy Sam. Uh, he didn't oh, go yeah. to that gym thinking that he was going to work out, but the pressure got put on. Uh, they, they they turned the light on a little bit, and Sam did not even blink. And jeans and all went out and put a workout out there. So why don't you tell the story, Sam, of how you ended up working out with Jonathan Abram uh, and Kishan Nixon in your jeans? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's funny. I, I was, um, you know, I was, in t- I had been in touch with, with Jonathan's uh, trainer, longtime trainer Deion Hodges, who, who works with a lot of Raiders in town, a lot of players throughout the NFL. Does a great job with those guys. And I just came by to swing through the gym and, and to see how the, those guys were doing and how kind of the offseason was, was going and to get a feel for everything. And I thought we were just going to chop it up and, you know, do, do a story or, you know, just, you know, kind of tap in and touch base and see where those guys were at. So I'm hanging out and they're doing their thing. And, and you know, I'm, I'm there just as a, you know, like, like you said, as a journalist with the hoodie, with the jeans on, with the, you know, the walking around shoes. And, you know, Jonathan and Keyshawn are like, well, come on, you know, and they're, they're motioning me to come over there. And I'm, you know, I didn't even realize it at first. I look up and then they motioned me to come over. I said, oh, okay. I'm, I look down, I'm in the jeans. I said, okay, well, let me, what do they want? So that's your turn. Let's see what you can do. Let's see what I can do. I went, okay. I don't have the attire for this, but I got to step up to the challenge, right? I, that's right. I, if, if I'm going to be challenged, you know, as you know, Vinny, I, I enjoy working out. It's a big part of my life, um, has been for a long time. And just because I didn't have the attire didn't mean I didn't think I could do the workout. So, um, I had the opportunity to, get to go through um, some of the movements that they were doing, a, a couple of different movements, a lot of, a lot of compound exercise, a lot of functional strength type stuff, really, really testing my core, my hamstrings, my quads, everything under the sun. And, and I did the best I could, Vinny, for us journalists, like you said. I did the best I could, tried to hold my own. But it was, it was a fun time hanging out with those guys and kind of seeing what they go through and seeing what a workout is like, an off-season workout, kind of the preparation that they're putting forth to get, to get ready for the NFL season. And it's um, you know, again, I, I work out a lot, but I, it's very, very different training when you're a professional athlete. Like I said, a little more functional strength, 
a little more core stuff that kind of simulates the movements that they're trying to do in games and that simulates preparing for games and the speed and the intensity and the efficiency and all those things. So, you know, I did the best I could, and, and, and I told those guys, hey, next time you're going to catch me in some shorts and workout shorts and a T-shirt, I'm going to be ready to go and be ready to do the full thing. So when they invite me back, I'll be ready for the whole workout, and I'm going to do, the best, do my best to hold my own. Yeah, man, just, you know, just, just pack, pack a bag. That's all, you know, yeah. uh, so that you could be ready on the, on the, uh, on a moment's notice. Uh, but, uh, again, though, congratulations for holding it up for us journalists and not worrying about how you look, not worrying about a little uncomfortable. Obviously jeans, working out in jeans is not conducive, uh, but, but, but you more than held your own and we appreciate that. Um, you know, what I also find, and we're talking to uh, Sam Gordon, our good friend from the Las Vegas Review Journal, what I do find also uh, even more fascinating than you working out in jeans, uh, Sam, was just being able to hang out a little bit with Jonathan Abram. Um, you know, uh, Jonathan Abram has heard all you know the, the criticism he heard. He, you know, he's on Twitter. He sees it all. So, uh, so there were some struggles last year, no doubt about it. Uh, he wa- it wasn't exclusive to Jonathan Abram, but he had a couple of moments um, that that really stood out in terms of that. Um, but you know, it, it's it's easy to forget that that John uh, was basically playing his rookie year last year. I mean, he played yep. one half of the season opener of his rookie year and then got derailed by uh, a shoulder injury. So, you know, he's kind of, he was kind of uh, thrown into the fire a little bit uh, his second year uh, as a rookie starter and lots was going on. Last. There were a lot of things that were going on last year. Didn't always look good on, on film, but where do you see, where, where's his head at right now? Where's his spirit and his mind? Because so much of this is about that uh, very thing. And, and where would you just talking to him and hanging out with them and, and, you know, uh, uh, working out with them. Um, where do you feel like his head is right now? Yeah, I think, um, just the sense I got Vinny is like you said, he knows, um, last year wasn't good enough and he knows that there's a lot of things that he can improve on, right? Like, him, him and his, his team, his, like I said, his longtime trainer, Dion, they're very aware of the criticism and are aware of the areas um, in which he needs to grow. But I don't think he was deterred by that one bit. You know, the sense I got being around him is, is he's you know, still confident, still believes in who he is and what he can bring to the table and is understanding that, hey, he needs to put forth, he needs to put forth the work to, to improve and to continue to grow as an NFL player. And, and one of the things, you know, he touched on was, um, like you mentioned, that shoulder injury, that – not only did he miss his rookie season, Vinny, but then you have to go through the kind of the whole rehab process and then conditioning and all that. And they're shut down and there's the coronavirus and there's all these things going on that weren't necessarily conducive to his development uh, and his preparation as he, as he got ready for, like you said, what's essentially his rookie season. So um, while you saw, you saw flashes, right? You saw that he could make plays down in the box, that he has the speed, um, the, the requisite athleticism, the requisite physical tools to, 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 to play at this level. He's, he's obviously fearless with his approach, not afraid to, to go back there and make a big hit behind the line of scrimmage and do things like that. Um, it's really kind of in coverage where, where he needs to improve and just kind of some of the fundamental stuff, being in the right place at the right time. And, and I also, uh, in addition to you know, catching up with Jonathan during the offseason, I also did a story on him towards the end of the season, and, and he was out with you know, concussion protocol. Um, he, so I, I couldn't talk to him at that time, but I talked to a lot of people, uh, former coaches, people that had been around him at different stages of his life, right? And, and the thing, the unified theme that I was able to take away from my interactions with them is this is a kid that loves football and that will put the work in, right? He was a former two-star recruit. He, he had to work to build himself into a, an SEC kind of player and very much uh, did the same thing to build himself into an NFL player. He's a, he's a weight room junkie. He studies the film. 
and and he has the drive and the competitiveness to want to be great. And, and to me, that's a sign, right? Like, yes, he struggled. He didn't have the the the, the twenty twenty season that he wanted to have, but he he's undeterred and he understands the concept of work and growth and improvement. And I think when you have some intangibles like that or or have that understanding that hey, it's about the process and and the results might not come right away. Those are good traits for an athlete to have, and I think that that tends to favor improvement down the road. So um, he, he knows he needs to be better, and I think I really think that the situation with Gus Bradley is going to be a good fit for him, right? It's a, it's a cover three system, a little different than what Paul Gunther was doing. He'll probably have his opportunities to be a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage and to make plays uh, in the run game, which is what he does best, and his and responsibilities and covers might be simplified a little bit depending on who they get a free safety. And, uh, and he's still only 24 years old, right? Like sometimes these things take time, and, and – you know, we want to make judgments on young players or rookies because, hey, there might be a great rookie and some guys pop right away, but other guys don't. And that doesn't mean it's, it's, it's game over for him. Uh, he understands it's time to work, time to grow, and, and I think he's in a situation to do so under Gus Bradley uh, moving forward. So it's a big offseason for him, and he wanted to get through the year healthy, uh, the 2020 season. He did that for the most part, and now he has game tape and things to study on and to improve, and, uh, and I expect him to do so um, going into 2021. We're talking to Sam Gordon. You could follow him at by Sam Gordon. Uh, you bring up a really good point. Um, you know, uh, it, there's it's one thing when you're a rookie and hurt in Jonathan's case uh, in 2019, and you're you're just watching from afar. And yeah, you're what you're studying film of the opponent. You're studying film of your defense. Uh, you're listening to what your defensive coordinator is saying. You're learning all that kind of stuff. But the best way to learn in life. Um, let alone football, is to watch yourself and be coached up, not just for what you've done good, but for what you've done bad. And um, he didn't; he never had that. He hasn't had that uh, as an NFL player until last year. So he does have a body of work, good and bad, uh, to be able to now go back uh, on and you know sit with his coaches. And figure out that's not the way to do it. This is the way to do it. And and I think that just that knowledge in general and that body of work um, and, and, uh, and those tools are going to benefit him um, uh, immeasurably. But as far as you mentioned, Gus Bradley, uh, I think a name for Raider fans to keep uh, uh, to remember is Ron Milas, his DB's coach. Not sure how much yep. he got into Ron Milas and the impact that he might have. Uh, but I'm, I would imagine that there was some conversation that you guys might have had uh, about Gus Bradley and the new defense. Has he shed any light on uh, on any of that? Did he shed any light on, on any of that uh, about Gus Bradley and now uh, working for this new defensive coordinator? Yeah, I mean, he didn't, he didn't necessarily go into specifics, but he had mentioned to me that he had spoken with Gus Bradley and was excited about, about the things that they were going to be able to do. And I think one of those things where you look at Gus Bradley is, he, he has a track record, and we've talked about it extensively on our first and Ted podcast, Vinny, on VegasNation.com. Um, we talk, he, he has an extensive track record for player development and putting guys in positions to be successful, accessing a player's strengths, putting him in positions to play to his strengths, and then developing his weaknesses at the same time. So I think that bodes really well for Jonathan Abram. I'm, I'm right? Like his, his strengths are pretty clear at this point. He, he, he's a, uh, he flies around. He, he, he's an instinctual football player that can make plays behind the line of scrimmage. That's a, a big-time hitter, a big-time tackler, and where he needs to improve is you know, fundamentals, kind of discipline, play recognition, situations like that. So 
Um, I, I think there's definitely some excitement and, and, and he know and a belief in Gus Bradley that Gus Bradley is going to put him in situations where he can succeed and where he can continue to develop as a player. And, and not only him personally, just, just with Jonathan Abram, but with the defense as a whole. And I think you look at, at the additions that they made throughout the course of the offseason, um, they have Gus Bradley, you know, kind of imprint written all over it. He, I mean, he talked with us at his introductory press conference about how it's how important it is to get after the quarterback and how everything starts with getting after the quarterback and pressuring the quarterback. And as we know, with that young secondary, right, that they had a lot of first- and second-year guys out in that secondary last season in 2020, there was no semblance of a pass rush. It was non-existent for the better part of the season. And that doesn't help. That doesn't help young defensive backs who are trying to find their footing in the NFL when they can't get after the quarterback, um, when the front seven can't get after the quarterback or create any kind of pass rush. So, um, it, it, there, there's a lot of optimism about the defense um, taking a step forward this year, and I know, I know Jonathan Abram is excited to be a part of that and, and, and play for Gus Bradley. Yeah, absolutely, and, and you know, uh, you mentioned the imprint of Gus Bradley so far on this defense, and I think it's shown in what they have done, uh, doubling down a couple of times on the defensive line. Uh, what is it, five new players, four new players that they've brought in, um, and you almost want to, you can almost count uh, David Irving as a, as a new player, he he, he barely even uh, got on the field last year after coming aboard in October or, or, or November. Uh, so the doubling down on the defensive line tells you that it was unacceptable last year and they need to get better uh, for all the reasons that you just mentioned. But also what they haven't necessarily done in the secondary, which leads me to believe... Um, you know they're gonna they're gonna fill free safety. Uh, they'll probably bring in a veteran cornerback uh, or, or depth. Um, you know either in the slot or or to compete or back up with uh, Demon or Damon uh, Arnett. But I think there's a feeling from this defensive coordinator and this defensive coordinator staff that these young secondary players, while they did struggle, and you you articulated some of the reasons why. But I think there's a belief that there's something here to work with because they've certainly not been any in any kind of a rush uh, to do any kind of an overhaul uh, in that secondary, whether we're talking about cornerbacks or Jonathan's position, uh, strong safety, uh, understanding that they're going to make a move at free safety. We all understand that. But uh, in and around that, I kind of feel like there's a little bit of a confidence level that Gus Bradley and his staff has in these young players. Uh, as there should be, right? As there should be. Things take time. People develop at a different at a different rate, right? Now, if we go, if if we're in the week twelve, week thirteen in the twenty twenty one season, and we're seeing later in the year that okay, hey, these guys aren't getting it done. These young players aren't getting it done. There's not, you know, there's been no growth. There's been no development. They're not any better. They've regressed. Then we can revisit this conversation. But the fact is, the fact remains that. A lot of their core, a lot of their defensive backs, part of that young core is still very, very inexperienced. And again, some guys find their footing right away in our shutdown corners and, and, and big time safeties, you know, the Derwin James of the world, day one. And other guys aren't. Other guys, it, it, it takes a little bit longer. And you see all the time guys emerge in their mid to late 20s as starters and big time players. Uh, but having Gus Bradley in the fold, right? Again, developed a lot of big time players or helped develop a lot of big time players, was on a big time staff in Seattle. Uh, didn't necessarily have a head a success as a head coach in Jacksonville, but what he was able to do is get that defense ready to go uh, so that when Doug Marone took over in 2017, they had a defense that was ready to make a move and, get, and make a run towards the AFC Championship right away when he got there. So he had a hand in developing that defense, and, uh, and I think you know the higher, uh, hiring Gus Bradley, that had to be part of the equation. Is We have a lot of young guys that we want you to kind of tap into and take to that next level. So 
Um, I would say the jury's still out. Yeah, yeah you know, you 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 want you you certainly wanted to see more from that young group in, in 2020, but there's still time to, to get it together and for those guys to take a step forward. And and you're right, based on how they've approached this offseason, to, to me, it reaffirms a belief that there is more potential there, that there is another level that they can get to, and that frankly, that pass rush is going to help them improve. Right, that's uh, the uh, secondary's best friend is a good pass rush that wasn't around last year with the players they added this year. That depth on the defensive line. It should help by proxy those players in the secondary uh, do their jobs at a higher level. Yeah, and uh, and you know, just uh, we talked about this in the on the podcast, but just you know, uh, uh, talking to some folks over the weekend, there is a uh, new level of confidence in that front seven. And when we talk about front seven, obviously uh, the front four and the rotation that they've built uh, with that front four. But also behind them uh, with the linebackers, with Corey Littleton and Nick Wachowski and, and uh, Nicholas Morrow coming back intact. It's the first time since John Gruden came back that his linebacker crew uh, is coming back from one year to the next. Um, and, and there's been uh, optimism and confidence expressed in that front seven, as, as Sam uh, has mentioned. Uh, that should, if that group improves and, and they're able to get pressure on the quarterback, um, and also, as linebackers defend in the pass game, it's just going to help the, the the young secondary. So it goes uh, hand in hand. Uh, but before we let you get out, uh, Sam, uh, there's we, we talked last week. Uh, where it's another seven days since uh, the last time we spoke uh, together on the on this show. Uh, still no movement at right tackle. Uh, are you starting to get the feeling that this is a, uh, a more than anything a, a, a position that they're going to address in the draft? Yes, yes, absolutely. Just based on kind of you know the, the, the reading the tea leaves and how they've handled everything, there's there's clearly been a move to, to get a little younger on that offensive line, and and I don't think they would have made the moves that they made without having some semblance of a plan. And you just locked up your left tackle, Colton Miller, who I thought has continued to approve over the first you know, few years of his career. You lock him up on the left side. You solidify Derek Carr's blind side moving forward for the next few years. Go do the same thing on the right side with, with one of these top offensive tackle prospects. Uh, in the, you know, Maybe the first round, right? You certainly wouldn't be opposed to that, but the second round, too. There's a lot of depth uh, in this offensive line class. And you plug in another young starter, somebody that can come in and start day one, um, right away, you know, like I mentioned before, look at what Tampa Bay did, you know, hitting on Tristan Wirfs and, and on that right side of their line, they're good as long as he stays healthy for the next 10, 12, 14 years, right? There's a world in which the Raiders can do that, find their own version of Tristan Wirfs. I don't know if whoever they draft is going to be quite that good because he's one of the best players in the, at his position right away. But there's a world in which they do find a player that is that good. And then you're set at left tackle, you're set at right tackle, uh, you, 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 you manage your guard situation and you figure that out long term and then you have a possible center of the future in Andre James as well. So uh, it totally, to me, feels like right tackle is the move in the draft at some point, and I'm fine with that, right? You, 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 got a little bit, you get a little younger, you, you, you set yourself up for the next few years and you, you continue to, to build around that offensive line, which has been a strength uh, the last few years despite the weaknesses that the team has had elsewhere, offensive line has been a strength and, and Tom Cable has a, a track record for doing this. He's done it for a long time. And I think he'd do, do well with a rookie uh, starting at right tackle. We're talking to Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas review journal. You can follow him at by Sam Gordon. Uh, all right, Sam, uh, as a fellow, uh, hoopaholic, uh, like myself, yeah. uh, kind of a big game, uh, coming on tonight, uh, between Gonzaga, uh, trying to hold it up for the West coast, uh, and Baylor, um, doing their thing for uh, the great state of Texas. 
do you have a gut feeling uh, on on how this uh, winds up? I'm going to throw a, uh, just one thought at you on my end. Um, I think Gonzaga, uh, you know, a lot of times in these tournaments, you're going to get a haymaker at some point along the way. And the key is, do you survive it or not? And obviously, UCLA threw a haymaker and then some uh, at Gonzaga, had him on the ropes, uh, but weren't yeah. able to knock him out. I almost think that when that happens, uh, and it did happen to Gonzaga, and they obviously survived, you almost get a sense of inevitable, or, um, um, you know, just, uh, you're, you're not going to, nobody can beat you. If you can survive that, um, then, then you're going to survive anything. And I, I just feel like that might be what we see from the Gonzaga team uh, tonight. Um, uh, but your, your thoughts on, uh, on what might unfold tonight in the NCAA championship game? Yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, now, first and foremost, I want to say I think this is the right matchup. I think so many times we see this tournament play out where you don't get the two best teams. You might get one of them and then another team that got really hot. Or, or something like that. But in this instance, I think you have the two best teams in the country. And I think for both teams, it really starts with their guards. And, and Gonzaga, you know, we can talk about their offense all day. It's one of the best in the history of college basketball. There's, they don't have an offensive weakness. Uh, and it, but, but to me, it starts with Jalen Suggs, the, the outstanding freshman. And then you have Andrew Nemhard and Joel Ayayi, multiple ball handlers, multiple guys that can do multiple things, handle the ball, play off the ball. They're unselfish. They move it. Uh, they get great shots seemingly every trip down the floor. Baylor, on the other hand, they have great guards too. It just might look a little different, right? Davion Mitchell, uh, Jared Butler, Maceo Teague, all those guys are fantastic. It's a veteran backcourt. And Baylor, I think to me, when you break down this matchup, they have the defensive chops to make Gonzaga's guards really work and, and really um, really have to go through their, their stuff on offense. So I, that to me is, is what I'm going to be watching. That's the focal point of the matchup. I do think Gonzaga has a bit of an edge, a slight edge, with the post play of Drew Timmy because if stuff does break down on that perimeter, they can go to Drew Timmy, throw it down to him, and he's as good of a post player as there is in the country. Kind of a throwback old-school big man, right, Vinny, with the footwork. You know, maybe something like a Kevin McHale guy that you've seen and seen play plenty of times and know quite well. So it's a, it's a great matchup. It's a compelling matchup, but I think – um, the Zags are a team of destiny based on what I saw. Like you said, they took a, they took a haymaker. I don't think that was an A-plus game by them, and they figured out a way to win, and that was a really good game by UCLA. They played phenomenally. Uh, but the Zags take that punch. They're still standing, and I expect them to still be standing later tonight. I've been on them all year. Um, that's kind of been my, my team. I popped on the bandwagon in part because Jalen Suggs is from Minnesota, where I'm from, and, and uh, you know watching him and following his journey, it was really cool to see him have his moment. But even Minnesota connection aside, this is a historically great team, and they're going to have their chance to make history tonight. I expect them to get it done in an instant classic. Uh, I got I got the Zags winning something like 85-80, 85-79, close game, but the Zags pulled out. Well, I was going to take you to Jalen Suggs and the St. Paul uh, and Minneapolis connection, but you beat me to the punch. But you also <laughs> snuck in Kevin McHale as a good Minnesota kid Another would Minnesota. do. because. <laughs> Yeah, because he's Absolutely. the ultimate. I got some Kevin McHale stories, but anyway, um, uh, one day, one day. Uh, but uh, but yes, you, I'm, I'm I'm glad you mentioned the Minnesota uh, connection. Jalen Suggs is a ball player. Would have loved to see him play some football, but obviously, I think he made the right choice, uh, and and I think he's going to be he's he's NBA bound uh, without question. But what a night for your for your fellow Minnesotian. That's how you say it, right, Minnesotian? Am I right, Minnesotan? 
Minnesota. Minnesota, no, yes. Mu- there you go. Yeah, Minnesota. Uh, you got it. Yep, you got it. You must have been proud uh, on Saturday just being, uh, you know, that, that, that you guys are, uh, are from the same neck of the woods. But uh, congratulations on that end of it. Let's hope for a great game. Sam, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Uh, really appreciate it. As always, have a great week and enjoy the game tonight, my brother. Anytime, Vinny. Appreciate you having me. Talk soon. All right. Sounds good. Uh, Sam Gordon from uh, the Las Vegas Review Journal uh, always does a good job. And of course, he was going to sneak in some Minnesota love. Uh, he went to the University of Minnesota, as did Kevin McHale. Uh, and obviously, he was going to throw some love to Jalen Suggs from St. Paul, Minnesota. I can't wait for this game tonight. You're in the huddle. Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila and Bajador. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Well, you know you make me wanna kick my heels up and down. I see you, Damon, uh, and I like it. Uh, you're in the huddle of Vinny Bonsignor, uh, brought to you by Tequila Embajador Raider Nation Radio on a Monday. It is championship night. Who do you got? Gonzaga holding it up for the West Coast. Uh, and you know, I know I'm in Nevada now, but it takes me like, what, 30 minutes to get to California, literally. So I know it's that part of California, but whatever. Uh, we are on the West Coast um, and, uh, and so I think heart wise, I'm going to go with Gonzaga, um, love what Mark Pugh has done there, uh, has stayed true, uh, to the, uh, to the Pacific Northwest. Uh, I love Spokane. It's one of those, uh, cities that, uh, you know, uh, you go and have some fun. It is a fun town. Uh, trust me when I say that. Um, and so, you know, that's where, where Gonzaga is. So, um, I'm going to go with Gonzaga, but man. Baylor can ball, too. This is going to be a heck of a game. It should be a heck of a game. Hopefully, everybody brings their A game because if it is, uh, as Sam Gordon mentioned uh, just a little while ago, uh, you could be talking about a, a, you know one of those all-time great thrillers because this is a fascinating matchup against two really good teams. I love uh, the tenacity and the grit of Baylor. Uh, they've got some talent, obviously. Uh, so it should be a really, really fun game, and I am looking forward uh, to it uh, just a little while uh, from after the show uh, for tip-off. Uh, my Mets are finally playing. Yeah, I'm a New York Mets fan, um, and, I, and I wear that proudly. Uh, obviously, their, their opening series, if you're not a baseball fan, their opening series was completely wiped out um, due to COVID uh, and the Washington Nationals having a little bit of an outbreak uh, with, with COVID-19, and so that wiped out the opening series, and so it was kind of a stress-free weekend for me, uh, not having to worry about my Mets, but now they're uh, they're playing today. Uh, they're winning 2 nothing. but gosh, it just, it comes at you like that. Like, it's, it's not, you know, no stress, no stress, no stress. All of a sudden, your team's playing a real game, and all of a sudden, you're beside yourself. So, uh, crazy how it all works out, but I love that feeling, so uh, now I gotta get ready for, hopefully, 162, and maybe then some uh, with the playoffs. Uh, the Mets might be in a pretty good uh, place this year, uh, but we'll but we'll see. Uh, my thanks to Sam Gordon uh, for uh, for always bringing the heat and the uh, the insight. Uh, one of the uh, uh, best young journalists out there. Uh, really proud to call him a teammate and to work with him. Um, want to thank Willie Sneed, obviously, uh, for coming on the new Raiders wide receiver. And, and if you listen to the interview, and we'll put the um, podcast uh, out later on. 
if you weren't able to to join us uh, at four thirty when he came on. But I, I I think that Willie Sneed. I just have this sneaky suspicion that he's going to be a, um, a, a, a have a bigger impact uh, than Raider fans might just initially think. It might not translate itself with a whole bunch of numbers, um, but just what he brings to the table uh, as a, uh, a player and a person, um, the kind of uh, ruggedness and fearlessness, unselfishness uh, that he brings, how he's going to be able to fit into this offense. Remember, we talked about this uh, earlier, but but keep in mind where he was before he played um, – you know, in in Baltimore uh, with Lamar Jackson and and that crew uh, and that kind of an offense, you couldn't ask for, you couldn't get two more distinctly different offenses than uh, the Baltimore Ravens and uh, the New Orleans Saints. And I love football for this uh, uh, fact, uh, much like any other sport. Uh, but in football in particular, uh, there's just so many different ways that you can win. Uh, there's so many ways uh, that you can attack opponents. Uh, I love the fact that it's not just um, you know uh, you know cookie cutter. It's not a cookie cutter league, um, and it's getting less and less like a cookie cutter league. Um, the more you know, we evolve. Uh, the game evolves, and strategies evolve, and what they're doing in college football, how the the influence that that's having uh, on the on the professional level, uh, the different skill sets now that we're seeing at quarterback. And um, so, you know, there's so many different ways now to attack teams based on who your quarterback is and what the skill set is of, of, of your quarterback. And um, obviously, going from Drew Brees in New Orleans to Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, uh, both fantastic quarterbacks in their own right do things a little bit differently, obviously. And so the offenses are going to be structured a little bit differently. Uh, and so the offense that Willie played with in Baltimore was vastly different than what he played with uh, in New Orleans. And um, the offense that he's coming to with uh, the Raiders is much more like the offense that he played with um, in New Orleans. And I think it's going to be kind of a seamless transition for him uh, coming out here because for that very reason. And if you look at what he did in New Orleans, um, you know, his, his best years, 2015 and 2016. 2015, uh, 101 targets, 69 catches, 984 yards, 14.3 yards per um, reception, three touchdowns. 2016, again, this is with Drew Brees in that offense, which is a vastly different offense, uh, obviously. Uh, than, than Baltimore, uh, 72 um, uh, targets, or excuse me, 104 targets, 72 receptions, 895 yards, 12.4 yards per, ca- per catch, uh, four touchdowns. And um, the next year, uh, it looks like he was hurt, so he didn't, um, you know, uh, just didn't get as much production. But he goes to Baltimore in 2018. And I want who was the quarterback in 2018 for Baltimore? Let's just check that out because I could see where his numbers start going down a little bit. Um, in 2018, uh, who was a quarterback in Baltimore in 2018? It was, oh, it was Joe Flacco played nine games, uh, and then Lamar Jackson played the played seven. So it was kind of half and half, right? And so um, you could tell that a change starts occurring. Just by, I could tell, just by Lamar, by uh, Willie's um, numbers, uh, they kind of go they go down a little bit. Why? Well, they they run a different offense in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson. It's a much more run 
uh, heavy, kind of a pound it, and use Lamar Jackson as a thrower and as a runner. Um, and so uh, his numbers, Willie Sneed's numbers in 2018, uh, uh, go to 95 um, targets for 62 receptions, 651 yards, 10.5 yards uh, per catch. Then 2019, 46 targets uh, in 16 games, 11 starts. 2020, 48 targets. Uh, and I'm, and I could tell just by hearing, just by talking to Willie Galt, just or excuse me, uh, Willie Sneed just a second ago uh, at 4:30 when we had him on. He mentioned it a couple of times. He did what he was supposed to do in the offense that he was in. And that Lamar Jackson, Baltimore offense, the way it's structured, the way they attack people, uh, and they, it's a winning formula in Baltimore, and they're winning uh, big games and going to the playoffs. Uh, but it's it's uh, you could tell that I'm not going to say that he didn't like it because I'm not going to put words in his mouth. But you can say you can you can read between the lines and how he was like, hey, you know, did what I could in that offense and did what I was what I was supposed to do in that offense. Um, but I think he kind of welcomes the opportunity now to get back to a more to an offense that's more like the one he played in New Orleans. Uh, and you look at the numbers uh, that he put up in New Orleans. And guys, we're we're talking about a guy who started eight games in 2015 out of, out of the 15 that he played, and started four games out of the 15 that he played in 2016. Yet, nevertheless, nevertheless, and this is why I say, hey, you can't. Uh, you know, uh, Hunter Renfro might be the starter, uh, but but um, and 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 he's going to put his numbers up. But in this kind of an offense, the offense that uh, Willie was in in New Orleans, and now the offense that he's in in uh, uh, here in Las Vegas, with two kind of similar quarterbacks uh, in in how Derek Carr commands it at the line of scrimmage, figures out the um, you know the the, the mismatches. Uh, and, and attacks in the pass game, spreading it around, uh, getting into a whole bunch of different wide receivers is much more like what they did, the West Coast offense uh, in New Orleans. Both both can win games. Obviously, look at Baltimore. You know, they've, they've, they've been in the playoffs uh, for, what, three years running now? Um, so, so what they're doing works for them. And Lamar Jackson is a tremendous quarterback, and the way they attack is, is uh, uh, effective. But it's just different. There's just different ways to to skin a cat and um now you have uh willie coming to this offense which is more like what he ran in new orleans and i think there's going to be a lot of what you saw in new orleans where guys are being utilized and tapped into with a, a quarterback kind of you know i look at i look at uh, Derek carr much like drew Brees. they're sort of point guard quarterbacks you know they're getting the ball uh, uh, it's kind of like the Steve Nash, you know, uh, Chris Paul philosophy of uh, quickly getting the ball to the right guy. You ever see how many easy baskets, you know, Chris Paul gets for teammates? Um, Steve Nash got for teammates. Magic Johnson got for teammates uh, by just getting the ball to them in the right place at the right time in stride. Uh, so that you know it's on the money and they're in stride, so that they could do things with the ball uh, after after they catch it. Uh, that's the kind of quarterback that that Derek Carr is ascending to. That's the kind of quarterback Derek or uh, he, uh, Willie was playing with with the Saints. So you could tell the excitement in his voice about getting back to those type of roots. Uh, and I think for a lot of those reasons, a guy like Willie Sneed is going to be a much bigger player. Uh, in this Raider offense, then I think some Raider fans might suspect. Uh, and it's it's again, 
everyone's going to get their numbers. Everyone gets their numbers in this type of offense when you've got uh, that point guard kind of quarterback and mentality in, in Derek Carr and how it's structured um, and, and how they how they attack uh, opponents. You're still going to get the run game. You're still going to get the heavy dose of power football with Josh Jacobs and uh, kind of a change of pace, do it all kind of a guy like Kenyon Drake who could also line up and, and uh, attack you as a, as a receiver, kind of like what they do in New Orleans, um, you know, uh, with, with their running backs and how they have that 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 kind of balance between the power run uh, and the guy that can you know uh, hit you in the seams, but then also be uh, somebody that you can exploit um, in the uh, in in the pass game. Um, there's a lot of what Kenyon Drake's Drake does uh, that you know the running backs in New Orleans um, were able to uh, were able to do, and uh, you know you, you you just you start envisioning that. And understanding that this Raiders offense could be moving toward, um, you know, something something along those lines. So uh, I think he's going to be a player that has a bigger impact than people think, and that goes beyond, again, just the uh, the receiving yards and the production. Um, he's going to be a guy that his influence in the locker room, what he brings to the table from all of his experiences now. Um, you know, uh, playing for the Saints, playing in that winning environment, going to Baltimore uh, with a guy like Lamar Jackson um, and and his talents and his leadership uh, and and the ruggedness that is expected of what do you say, playing like a Raven? Uh, I can see that kind of being a play like a Raider type of a thing, uh, where they have that sort of a, a, a mentality. Uh, but you know, and a Kenyon Drake can be your Alvin Kamara kind of a guy, you know, where he's running and catching and playing off of a Josh Jacobs. Uh, you start thinking about that offense and how much more effective it can be, especially in the areas that we've identified with the red zone, scoring touchdowns rather than settling for field goals. I think John Gruden has a vision uh, for all this, and I think it's starting to come together. Even when we're scratching our heads sometimes, and some people have been with some of the moves, there's a vision for this offense, and I can kind of see where he's headed with it. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Sorry, guys. I'm uh, sending an important text here. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Um, Brought to you by Tequila and Bahar. This is how it works uh, as a reporter. Uh, there's a lot of texting. I'm telling you that right now. Um, and uh, but that's that's what you got to do. Uh, I, I mean, I, I I think back to the days when I first started. Um, you know, as as a reporter, or you know, even even 15 years ago, 20 years ago, um, how things have changed. Like trying to get a hold of somebody back in the day. Like you'd have to. Um, you know, without cell phones, let's go to the time when there wasn't cell phones, right? Yes, I was a reporter at that point, you guys, um, and it was uh, it was a hustle, man, and a hassle, a hustle, hustle and a hassle. Uh, sometimes trying to get a hold of people, you had to like literally catch them at home, or you know, uh, it, 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 that's it. <laughs> there were no cell phones; like there was no other way. 
uh, to get a hold of people. Um, and so now I could just text. I'm not going to tell you who I just texted, but um, it's pretty. I'm just saying it's pretty high up there. Pretty high up there uh, on the old uh, food chain. Um, but it's so easy now, you know, and you can at all hours of the day, which I'm sure not everybody uh, appreciates, but, you know, you have to be professional and reasonable uh, when, when, when you're talking about somebody's time and the fact that there's off time and off hours and things like that. Um, but uh, it's now it's just instantaneous. Like it's like you can literally get a hold of who you need to get a hold of pretty darn uh, quickly, and there's just so many different ways to be able to get at people uh, these days. It makes the job a little bit easier, um, but uh, it also makes it a little bit, you know, more challenging. And I'll tell you why. Like I, you, you don't think that I know that I'm competing with Vic Tafer from the Athletic, who I love, uh, a good friend of mine. Um, but we're gonna go toe to toe. You know, I think both of us and you know uh, Tayshawn Reed, the same thing over at the Athletic, and. Uh, everyone else here in Las Vegas and nationally and all that type of stuff, um, you're competing with those people. That's part of this whole business. And every, we all have egos and we all have, um, you know, we want to win. Uh, first and foremost, I, and I tell people that I cover, I tell people that read my stories, people that listen to my radio show, first and foremost, I'm just trying to get it right. Like, I want to, to tell the most accurate and timely, but more so accurate story about the team that you guys all love, the Raiders, as I possibly can. And sometimes that means, um, you know, uh, taking a minute or two to confirm something, like with my own sources. Like, I have my own sources. I know, you know, that Ian Rappaport uh, is going to report something typically off of uh, something that he gets from uh, an agent. And I get that, and I understand that. If I was an agent, that's how I would do it, too. You get it out to one person, either Ian Rappaport or... Um, um, you know the ESPN uh, reporter, uh, National Football Reporter, and and get it out in one lump sum, and and that person will send it out to the to the masses. But I can't always rely. You know, uh, sometimes I will get it myself too uh, on on some of the more local uh, stories. No question about that. But in in terms of like a signing or something like that, it's usually going to go. Um, you know, to the Adam Schefters and the Ian Rappaport's, the national guys that the agents deal with directly. And I get that. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to, if I happen to see it on their Twitter feed first, I'm not going to rely on, I like Adam Schefter uh, and what he does, and I respect him. And same with Ian Rappaport. You think I'm going to rely on that guy? I have to do my own due diligence. And I always bring up these examples of Gabe Jackson and uh, Rodney Hudson, how many, and Marcus Mariota for that point, for that matter. How many times did you see tweets about those guys getting cut, getting cut, getting released? And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Based on my sources, that hasn't happened yet. They're still on the roster. They're not getting released. They may get released, uh, but I can't confirm that. And I'm not, and, and who I'm talking to is like, no, I don't know, you know, uh, what, what, what's going on with that. But that, that that's not what's happening. That's not what has happened. And so... You know, uh, uh, you know, just a little backstory on on that on on that end of it. But it, it it that whole texting thing and being able to get at people instantaneously uh, it, it is a challenge um, and uh, for for reporters because you know, look, like I said, I, I go toe to toe with 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 Vic uh, and he's tremendous at what he does. But you know, he might just text somebody five minutes before I do, or just have a train of thought like, hey, I got to check in on that and get something that I don't have because, you know, he, he, he was able to get to somebody just like that on something that he might have been working on. And so, and then my editor is like, uh, hello, um, 
time to get to work or whatever the case might be. How come that paper has this or whatever the case might be? So um, you got to get on it. So uh, it, it does, it makes the job a little bit easier, but there's also uh, a little bit more anxiety um, and a little bit more, uh, it makes it a little bit more difficult because you, you have to be on 24-7. What is it? It's 5.52 uh, on a Monday and I'm texting um, somebody about something and, um, you know, but, but hey, my wife doesn't really like it all the time, of course, uh, but it is what it is. And uh, you, have to, you have to do what you got to do uh, to, to, you know, be good at this job. And I try to be the best I possibly can. And that's all I ever promise you guys. I'm going to be accurate, as accurate as I possibly can, um, even if it means, you know, not getting something out first. I've seen time and time again where people get something out there first and it might not be the most accurate uh, account <laughs> of what's going on. So you got to be careful uh, at, at all times. Uh, but it's fun. And, uh, you know, when we're talking about sports, how serious can it possibly be? It's pretty serious, uh, you know, uh, when, when, when it comes to expectations and, and trying to get you guys uh, information as quickly and as accurately as possible. I take great pride in that. Um, but there is a little bit of anxiety because a lot of people want to write about the Raiders. A lot of people want to, you know, chime in about the Raiders. Um, you know, whether it's nationally or locally or wherever, uh, bloggers, um, <laughs> you know, uh, people that think that they're that they're in the know, you know, because they got a YouTube channel or something like that, and, and you know, kind of coming at you sometimes. Whatever, it's all good, and I get it. Um, but uh, as long as we do it all respectfully, it's that's really what what matters. And if you're a young reporter out there that wants a little advice, I don't care if you're covering the Raiders or the Patriots or anybody else, I'm always available. Uh, and it's, yeah, we can compete, but that doesn't mean we can't be friends, and that doesn't mean we can't have um, help each other out a little bit. And if you need any advice or whatever, uh, you can always hit me up. I just want to say thanks to Willie Sneed, uh, the Raiders' new wide receiver. Really enlightening stuff talking to him earlier today. I want to say thanks to Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Uh, Damon Cotton, appreciate you, uh, everything that you do, my brother. You know that. Keep the great music coming. You got to study up a little bit on baseball, but you'll get there. Uh, I have full confidence because I know how much you want it, Damon. I know how much it means to you. I want to say thanks to all the callers. Or we didn't have any callers today, uh, but that's all good. Um, uh, a Monday on Championship uh, Monday. I get it. Um, want to say thanks to uh, all the listeners. You're why we do this. We will talk to you tomorrow, uh, 4 to 6 p.m. in the huddle, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. Enjoy the game. Talk to you guys later. Lincoln Black Label is your invitation to a uniquely elevated automotive experience revolving around you, including pickup and delivery, premium maintenance, vehicle care, Lincoln Concierge, travel collection, and culinary collection. Finley Lincoln is here to surprise and delight you all the way through your effortless experience. Thinking Lincoln? Then think Finley Lincoln in the Valley Auto Mall, Nevada's only standalone Lincoln Black Label dealership. It's the Rich Eisen Show. It's just amazing how you get into it and you don't have anything to really um, focus on other than just the excitement of it and the players and how they get into it. And you learn the stories about organizations and schools and coaches and players and sisters and nuns and all that stuff. <laughs> and, and you're just locked in. Tune in weekdays at 10 for the Rich Eisen Show here on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. 
Get access to the Las Vegas Raiders like never before. Go inside the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor weekdays at 4 on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Make your voice heard here on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM all day long. Text us at the Salmon Ash text line at 69187. Visit them at salmonash.com because you deserve what's right. This is RNR 920 AM. Wake up with Pritch and Clay weekday mornings from 7 to 10 here on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. JT the Brick. Thrilled to talk to Steve Sylvester. Joins us once a Raider, always a Raider. They're close. They're really close, and they're going to get there. And uh, John Gruden, I mean, obviously when you see them play, they play hard. They play the last second, and uh, it's really great to watch. It'll be great when they start winning, winning at a high level, and consistently at a high level. It's going to be great. It's JT the Brick. Weekdays at noon on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. You can listen to Raider Nation Radio from anywhere in the world. Download the Raiders app or listen live at lvsportsnetwork.com. Just because the season is over doesn't mean you won't get the best Raiders coverage anywhere around. Keep it locked right here on the home of Raider Nation. Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Strong takes and the biggest guests. Join JT The Brick weekdays at noon on Raider Nation Radio. It's the Rich Eisen Show. That's Is that part of the new general managing? It's just pick your spots. You got yourself a team. You got yourself a championship team. Wait for another team to either no longer need the older player or realize they're not going to pay the older player. Wait till they're bought out and construct your own all-star team. That's the NBA for you right now, and it stinks. I think it stinks. I think it stinks. Tune in weekdays at 10 for the Rich Eisen Show here on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Stay informed on the latest breaking news from the NFL offseason on the Rich Eisen Show. Weekday mornings at 10 on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. He's one of the preeminent voices in all of the NFL. Tune in weekdays at 10 for the Rich Eisen Show for a daily dose of breaking sports news and the biggest guests. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Go in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy. Afternoons at 4 on Raider Nation Radio. Go inside the huddle. Inside the huddle. What I what I suggested was a four-year contract extension um, for $80 million, Okay, But in, in reality is, the reality of that is that you're, you're tacking on two more years of his contract. It's In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy. A daily look inside the Raiders locker room. Weekday afternoons at 4 on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Never miss another show. Stream us live or listen to past podcasts 24-7 at lbsportsnetwork.com. This is Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. KRLV Las Vegas. Sky Diamonds offers an unmatched diamond jewelry experience. Your direct diamond importer is giving you access to the world's most dazzling diamonds, straight from the best diamond mines. From half a carat to six carat diamonds and even larger, Sky Diamonds has it all. In 